Good morning. So glad that you're here with us this morning. So I want to start off by saying something silly, but something very true to my uh, pretty much daily routine. I lose my keys almost on a weekly basis. And it's nothing new. And in fact, it has been escalating over the years. And of course, as soon as I'm ready to step out the door and start my day, so often is when the big revelation comes to me that I can't find my keys. So life stops, I can't go anywhere, and the delay begins. So the process may be common for you or you have heard is the first step is to start with logic, retracing our steps. So it starts off with I'm calm, I'm rational. After all, I know that they're going to uh, show up at some point and I start to retrace the steps. When that doesn't work though, I begin to do this whole self-condemnation. I can't believe I'm doing this again. Um, that quickly turns into a vexation. Now there's fury and, and, and that self-talk of, what's such an idiot? Here I am again doing this. And if it gets to the 8-10 minute mark, as it has often for me, it quickly turns into this desperation um, and now there's panic and the desperation leads me to seek and, and, and check three, four, five times, numerous times, the same spots, absurd spots. Um, the refrigerator even, I haven't had that uh, happen yet, but even that you check. And before you know it, just we lose control. I lose control. And this sense of despair and frustration and in time, um, I get to that point of resignation, that sense of defeat. It's exhausting, it's debilitating, and pretty much the day after that becomes this need to redeem how it all started. Life as it should be, within reason, I have a certain amount of control at least to say that I have the day planned or the week planned, right? But just, just like that, like losing keys, life is turned upside down. Today we conclude the series, Everything Happens. If you want to take seriously your identity and purpose and relationship with Jesus Christ, then we must take into account that this life includes a great deal of needing to persevere. If we want to take seriously the need to deepen our faith, then we must partake into God's commissioning that we are to reflect who lives in us, that we are to communicate and transmit who and what happens in our lives. It's a terrible thing to say that we have all that we need, hope for, or want if that all does not include God or doesn't prioritize God because when life happens, God feels like an interruption.
It is with great risk to believe that we deserve God's blessing because there is no greater sign of a confirmed pride when we think we are humble enough. When Job suffered a great deal, he attempted logic. He had to deal with his friend's logic. He self-condemned. He expressed vexation and desperation and resignation. And he confronted God with a lament. Eventually, Job accuses God and demands of God a defense for his righteousness, a defense to God's order and God's involvement in divine character. One of the disciples, Thomas, you can find that story in the Gospel of John chapter 20. We learned how he lived with Jesus and learned from Jesus. But when Jesus was crucified and buried, Thomas was unable to walk by faith. And he couldn't hold on to the promise and to the truth until he actually saw Jesus, received the invitation from Jesus to reach out and touch the wounds. A skeptic is someone who has reservations, who doubts, who questions, who needs convincing, and it's hard to persuade. A cynic not only has doubt, but has decided to disbelieve and mistrust and not give any possibility or credibility to the sincerity or integrity. It is so important for you to explore the story of Job and the story of Thomas because in our era, in every era, but particularly today, in our day-to-day -day operations, we have been influenced greatly to believe that we are consumers in life and an identity standpoint, that we are consumers. So as consume, consumers, we believe that we have rights, we are always right, and we are deserving. As consumers, even with a high cost, if we can earn it, we can own it. We can build on it. We can secure it and protect it. Our youth and children are growing with greater confusion due to the seduction to believe that the world is at their fingertips. But when life happens and we don't have our rights, self-reliance, warranties, and, self and sense of control, we find ourselves maybe as a skeptic, a cynic, suffering in an abyss of despair, needing someone greater than ourselves, kind of like when we've lost our keys. So here are the good news. 
God continues to restore the way he restored Job and Thomas and Simon Peter and Martha and all of the people that you read in the, in the scripture. God continues to restore the skeptic and the cynic, the sinner and the saint. Job found himself questioning God. And when we get to chapter 38 through chapter 41, these are four key chapters. I've asked you to read the entire book, which is 42 chapters. And I'm going to say it again. And please make sure that you notice between chapters 38 and 41, the longest monologue, the voice of God, God speaking, to Job. Long verses for four chapters. And I'm going to read portions of those four chapters. The Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Don't you understand that I put the universe in motion, that I sustain it all? Prepare yourself like a man. I will interrogate you and you will respond to me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you know. Who set its measurements? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring tape on it? Who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang in unison and all the divine beings shouted? In your lifetime, have you commanded the morning, informed the dawn of its place, so it would take hold of earth by its edges and shake the wicked out of it? Would you question my justice, deem me guilty, so you can be innocent? This leaves Job speechless. God asserts, that Job has no knowledge of how the world comes, creation comes into being. And God, through that word, should assert you and me as well. Fast forward to John chapter 20, verse 26 through 29. Here's that incident with the disciple Thomas. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. Job and Thomas were in a quest to recover the truth, to recover their trust that because of the despair, despair and the suffering, they lost a little bit. But it reminds us that we are to be in a quest just like these two individuals were. And here's the key fundamental to our existence. As created beings, we will always need of our creator. That we depend for everything out the door and into everything we do of God's mercy, of God's sovereignty, and of God's presence. Fear 
makes a wolf appear bigger than it, what it really is. If the accuser cannot rob you of your salvation as it did not rob Job and even of Thomas's salvation, then know this, that guilt and shame and confusion and lies of the enemy, which is why I say of the accuser and its principalities is going to always try to silence you. So stay on the quest. We need God. And fear of the Lord does not mean to be scared of God, but it does mean to remain reverence to God. So when everything, particularly suffering and skepticism and cynicism, may we move, may we move toward God, not away from God. The key for skepticism, shame, and guilt is to move us towards the realization that we need to turn to God, that we need to return to God, and we need to be um, remained in the quest with God no matter what. Even if we lose our perspective and our way, with that so, then we need repentance. And Jesus' suffering is a reminder that we are to be redeemed and our suffering is in Christ. So through Christ's gifts of redemption, we can be saved, healed, restored, and redeemed. So we need our humility to be deepened. God calls us to seek him daily and on a regular basis. Why? Because God is God. When was the last time that you've sought God's voice to speak to you? That you've grappled with God to the point that you've said, like Jacob, and again, like these two individuals, where are you, God? And then God speaks, and it shakes us, and we're reminded that God is holy and just, Whenever we allow ourselves to believe that we deserve what we have or that we are somehow more worthy than the other, we will find ourselves capable of being less grateful and more prone to being or becoming greedy. We are God's creation, always by invitation to be adopted into God's family. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, in Christ we die daily. We are to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. And that is in Luke chapter 9. To make a cohesive connection with last week, we take up a cross for the yoke is easy, which means although it's hard, it's bearable. Because we know that in the end, victory belongs, belongs with Christ and through Christ. So I finish with this. Any distance or disconnect that you may be enduring today, any skepticism, any questioning that may be within you or around you, 
come to Christ with such doubt. But let, may it not obscure our, our, our lives. May it not paralyze us with fear. And if we have lost the key and the perspective, stay on the quest. Ask again. Ask more. Dig deeper. Ask God to speak into your life and believe that God continues to work in our lives today miraculously like he did in the past. God can use all circumstances to recreate us, to redeem us, and to transform us. God bless you.